sex talk. Derek and Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Derek and Miley. Hey, folks. Welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. Uh, y- y'all, just be be ready. We're gonna we're gonna have a great conversation today. I have Denise Wiesner, author, acupuncturist, who specializes in fertility and is a sex coach. I mean, and I said all around badass because I <laughs> I need all of you out here fighting the fight to increase awareness and use your platform for service. Welcome. Thank you for coming. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Erica. While I was reading your book, and your book is called Conceiving with Love. You all go out there, buy it, get it, buy it, read it today. And I was just so struck with your story and how incredibly honest and touching it was. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? (laughs) Thank you. It was like going back many years ago, I was trying to conceive a second child, which, you know, God was seems like it was gut-wrenching. But I, I was just really like, you know, gosh, we have to time it. I wasn't particularly in the mood half the time. And it just like really became this big job to do. And the more it, the more it went on when I wasn't conceiving, the more pressure and fear I felt. And I just had to do it. And really what happened is I had gone to a, a way because it was like this time that, you know, I was going to be ovulating and I brought my first kid with me. And, you know, we were going to make a baby. And uh, was I was on a mission. And I ended up, we ended up somehow doing this, like we were on this yurt in this wilderness kind of foundation. And we ended up doing, there was a sweat lodge going on for people don't know what a sweat lodge. It's basically like you go into this like teepee thing and you, you sweat, 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 sweat. And if you know anything about sperm, when you heat up sperm, it, it kills it. <laughs> so uh, like, you know, they tell, you know, men don't go in the jacuzzi, you know, don't wear tight underwear. Right. So I went in for a round and then I was like, I got to get out of here. So I left with, and, and I took my, at that time, five-year-old in. And my husband at the time decided to stay in. And I wasn't thinking so much about his sperm, but but they called me because he was almost passed out in the teepee. And they called me and said, you know, come get, you know, your husband. He's like almost passed out. And I was like, I saw him there. He was like lying, he was, you know, shallow breathing and he needed to get water. And I was like angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you killed, you killed your sperm. What are you doing? We're supposed to make a baby. <laughs> and you know, he's like, <laughs> lying there, kind of like, you know, looking at me, hardly breathing. And I, it was like kind of at that moment that I recognized like, I got to do something because this obsession with having a baby and sperm and egg and, you know, just, I sort of was missing the point. And I had vowed to really kind of changed the way I was looking at fertility and intimacy. Thank you for being honest about that obsessive thought. Like, I just think that this is something for those of us who have been, who have been in the position to try to make a child and trying to go down the, the hole of timing. And then you get you, all of those obsessive thoughts come. And most of the time we don't want to admit to ourselves like, oh, Crap. I'm missing the point. Mm-hmm. And it happens very often <laughs> with my patients. Yes. Oh, I imagine so. In your book, you did a, a beautiful job of connecting biology, gave an entire kind of anatomy biology lesson. And then, but you framed it in such a way to kind of help us understand why it's so important f- for 
us to know our bodies and why. And why do you think that that's important in the face of sex education in the U.S. today? You know, it's funny. I have right now, I have two kids and and my kid, you know, is finishing high school, the youngest. And at this point, you know, I, I was really curious and I said to him like, hey, you know, tell me what you learn in sex ed. So he brought home two brochures and he threw them on the table. And one was like how not to get a sexually transmitted infection. And one was like, do you want to be pregnant in high school? These were the two brochures he learned about sexuality, you know. And here his mom is writing about, you know, sexuality and fertility and the beautiful, you know, nature of what it is to, you know, make love. And and I thought that's so sad, you know. I mean, that we are taught all about fear around sexuality and not about the really deep connection and the profound nature of it. So nobody, where where do we learn this? If we don't learn, if no one's talking about it. You're 293 pages deep and your, your kid comes home with uh, brochures. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, it's, it's like so taboo, you know, it's, it, 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 it's so taboo to talk about sexuality in our culture still, you would think it wouldn't be, but I mean, you know, it is. <laughs> and when people are having issues, they're, you know, they don't, they don't know where to go with them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What I often see with many of my clients, people in my life, I mean, there are many people in my life who, who are used to my big mouth, but often it is not the case that they are comfortable even broaching the conversation for fear of some sort of reprisal or judgment in some way. So, the level of fear that we've kind of already like put on the table is so important. So one of the things you talked about in your book was how to kind of come back to the point of trying to have a child and how important ritual creation is in that, maybe with your partner. Can you talk a little bit about that and why it's important to the process of fertility? Yeah. I mean, I I see a lot where like, you know, we talked about it, making a baby becomes a job. And I believe that when we really boil it down, making love, making a baby is one of the most intimate things you can do with your partner. I mean, it's, it's incredible, right? I, every time I go to like an IVF transfer an in vitro, I, I actually go and do acupuncture before and after. And I see like this embryo, this picture of this embryo, I think, wow, that's amazing. Even though it was made in a Petri dish, like it's amazing. It's made from the love of this, the essence of two people. So we forget that. We forget that it's like love. And and in Chinese medicine, we talk about this idea of the heart energies connected with the reproductive energies. And those two energies together is what kind of makes a baby. Yeah. It's not just, you know, having sex. So the idea of putting ritual back in is sort of creating this sacred space for making love with your partner for, you know, intimacy. So it's not like a job. It's an intimate ritual. So rituals for me are, can be really simple, right? Like lighting candles or putting on music or dimming the lights, you know, it's just, it's just creating sacred space around making love. Yes, 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 yes. I think there's so often we get wrapped up in what's on our phone, what we get wrapped up in maybe what what has hap- been happening at work all day we get wrapped up in the pace of our life rather than turning towards our partner and i've definitely encountered couples and i i'm fairly certain i was guilty of this too when we were trying to get pregnant with my my uh, my munchkin that i just was like oh it's time let's uh let's go <laughs> and what kind of what kind of context is that? 
I, you know, I, like <laughs> I really, I, I, I've talked to couples a lot about this because what ends up happening, what people don't talk about, is you know, men feel the pressure too, and oftentimes when when women are like, okay, I'm ovulating, let, we have to have sex now. This sort of idea that they have to perform on demand. A lot of men don't get erections, and and a lot of women are frustrated because this doesn't happen, or they only want to have sex. Women only want to have sex when they're ovulating, but like none, no other time during the month. So it's like you know, the men are like, you know, they know that the woman's ovulating. Again, it's pressure, and so part of my my job is really talking about how to be intimate the whole month and how to you know really create ritual the whole month so it's not this big like ovulation moment and how to talk about approaching how to have a conversation about how to approach how we want to have you know relations during the fertile window i had this woman this funny story where this woman was putting it onto her husband's calendar like sexy time you know and he'd have to accept or decline and the man was like knew what that meant sexy time meant the woman was ovulating right and he just, he said, sometimes he just put decline. Like it was so much pressure for him. He already had erection difficulties. And this just put a whole other level of, of, of tension and pressure on it. So the ritual is often how we want to approach even the dialogue of how we want to approach ovulation window. I really, I was just thinking about the the entire time as you were describing that, the amount of pressure that even exists before that you want to have a child around sex and the lack of communication that typically exists for most many, many, many partnerships in this world <laughs> around sex. And then we create the pressure of, okay, here's goal number one, we must do A, B, and C, and we will do it at this time without fail. It's just, again, so not sexy, not a sexy context. Yeah. You know, and I'm finding a lot with my couples, and you probably have this too, where yeah, no one talks about anything sexual. So no one knows what their partner wants, how to arouse their partner. I mean, basics, you know, but, you know, part of my work with couples is kind of like reintroducing them to like touch, if you will, like, like, you know, sensual touch, because they're so focused on like penis and vagina, that they don't actually remember about like intimate touching and stroking and all those sort of sensual things that happen, you know, they just sort of get like, we got to get sperm in there soon. And a lot of women I, I'm finding and a lot of men don't know how their partner likes to be touched because no one's ever, no one's ever communicated this. <laughs> yes. Or they have no idea themselves. Or they have no idea themselves. So it's like this whole mystery. And not a mystery in a fun way, right? Not, not like, <laughs> not like creating a sexy game for the bedroom way. Much more mystery. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I'm afraid to say anything, or oh, if if you know, you know, she she knew that I loved my nipples squeezed. What would she think? You know, it's all of that stuff, right? Yes, absolutely. Quick break from the action, folks. <laughs> action. <laughs> I just want to tell you about my Patreon every week. I bring you guests and seriously, lots of sex nerdery. <laughs> Help me keep doing that by becoming a supporter. What do you get in return? Cool perks. For real. I am going to be doing shout outs, stickers, a bunch of stuff. So check it out at ericamiley.com forward slash Patreon. That's E-R-I-K-A-M-I-L-E-Y.com forward slash Patreon. I hope to see you and see more of you by becoming a Patreon. Thanks, guys.
I want to jump into the part about your book when you talk about the precious treasures that we have and then how we talk about that in in Western culture. So you want to talk a little bit about that part of your book? Sure. Yeah. I talk about these three treasures are called Jing, Shen, and Qi. And we'll start out with Jing because it's a precious, it's really kind of like the DNA, like the eggs and sperm are Jing. It's kind of like these deepest aspects of our being that we pass on, right? And and Jing is, you know, you're born with Jing from your parents. You inherit it. So like if your parents are really sickly and they're like, you know, a lot of people are like have the flu and they feel like, okay, this is the month that we, you know, we have to do, we have to do it. And like the husband has a fever and, you know, it, it's not the time to make a baby because we pass on this energy. So what we, what you eat and how you take care of yourself, all that is passed on through the jing, the prenatal jing that we inherit. So being healthy is so very, very important to, to conception. And, you know, so that's jing and it's a little more in detail, but it's like a jing is also like a bank account. We have so much of it. So if, you know, you use it up because of stress and, you know, you can tap into your bank account and like use the reserves to function in life. And many people do, they don't sleep enough, they don't eat well, and they they, they are so exhausted that they go into their bank account and try to get more energy from this sort of jing area. So that's jing. Qi is just vital energy. And we get this vital energy, again, through the foods we eat and how we take, we get enough sleep, how we take care of our bodies. It's just the, the energy that we use in the day. So many individuals that I see are working and they don't sleep and they're exhausted. And sort of, if you know, if you don't have enough qi for your life, like making love and having sex, like a lot of people are just too exhausted, right? By the end of the day, they don't, most of us out here are like, okay, I just want to zone on Netflix because of that exhaustion. That level of cortisol that runs through all of us is is significant throughout the entire day. And then by the end of it, we're just like, nah, no, nah, I can't, I can't right, I'm really, muster anymore. Very, very common to have people really, really tired. And then they just, yeah, it's like hard to be you know, feeling sexy if you're exhausted and just really want to sleep, you know. So um, that's your chi. And we and we do that also, we get that chi by, you know, again, how we sleep and how we how we nourish ourselves, you know, if we have good quality foods and, you know, and it's also the digestion, like how we digest foods. Like so many people have digestive issues, they don't really process and, you know, extract the vitamins out of the foods they eat. So that's really important too. So that's the chi and, you know, in simplified terms. And the shen is kind of like the love and the heart space. You see the sparkle of life force. And that's the Shen, the sort of like emotional, like you can see when we call people Shen disturbed in Chinese medicine, when, you know, like people are psychotic or their eyes are shifty. You can see like killers or people who are murderers and you look in their eyes and you're like, Ooh, there's something like off about them. You know, they look funny and that's, we call them Shen disturbed, but Shen is that sparkle, that magic, right? And that's the heart space. It's the love. So that's, those are the kind of three treasures and they all work together in Chinese medicine. One of the things that you had mentioned in your book about how we talk about it in Western culture is epigenetics. Right. Yeah. It's so much on the Jing level, right? It's like the idea of that inherited DNA that we inherit from our parents. Again, we can change epigenetics is also how genes expression turns on based on our environment. So like, for example, if you're really, really anxious and stressed and anxious and stressed and anxious and stressed, that that can get passed on to the next generation. And we see that being with many people who had trauma. Trauma gets passed on. Yeah? Yes, absolutely. 
I need to do an entire episode about how it absolutely is passed down from generation to generation and can impact an entire family until someone, and it's incredibly difficult for someone to impact their family tree that way, but incredibly worth it to do it. Yes. Yes, totally. I imagine, especially in your work around acupuncture, you see that. Yeah, there's a lot of trauma that people carry. I mean, you know what? I just did a genetic profile on myself and I found I had this like gene that like is linked to when your nervous system gets activated that it's hard to bring your nervous system down. And I was like, "Oh, ding ding, that's me," you know? And and who has that in my family? My mother, and who had it in my past? My grandfather when he escaped from Russia. This is inherited trauma, really. Tr- inherited anxiety. And it's my job because I know I have it. It's my job to really work with that energy to try to, you know, do meditation and self-soothing. And, you know, in Buddhism, we, we say metta, self-love, you know, may I be peaceful, may I be happy, right? So it's doing things to kind of, and, you know, with acupuncture, I work with these eight extraordinary vessels. And because I can access the body with needles and my hands and with these powerful energetic tools and talk to the patient that we can help like move out the trauma so the patient can get more relaxed in their nervous system, in their body. So yeah, that's the epigenetic piece that's so very important to deal with so that we don't pass, we help to break that cycle of it being passed on from generation to generation. You brought up something that I think is so necessary for people to understand that what pain you have as a person is more than likely going to be different for someone else. And that blueprint of that pain is going to require specific care and specific type of compassion. So you were saying about how your own, you you have that need to be able to calm your own nervous system because of that genetic tie for how how that happened for you. I have that similarly, that anxiety has been passed down through my family and I have to do a lot of mindfulness work and, and to, to be able to tolerate the world. Yeah, yeah. And it's okay that that's the case. Yes, it's that, it's, it is that level of compassion to, instead of like to to, it's like to draw it near and just to, you know, hold it like a baby. And that's part of the journey with any type of trauma, sexual trauma or anything is just to sort of hold it with love. You know, it's like, we didn't want anything to happen, but this is what happens. So now we need to kind of be very compassionate toward our own journey, toward ourselves. Yeah. It's a first place. Self-love is a great place to start. Yeah. Beautiful. So uh, much of your perspective throughout the entire book, it, it focuses on the art of fertility. We used to, in graduate school, we used to talk about the science of therapy and then the art of therapy. I really think that the medical side, how people have to encounter fertility treatments or going to the doctor for the first time and disclosing like, oh, I think I'm having a hard time getting pregnant, it really leaves the art of fertility to the wayside. What do you think the value of connecting with that art is? I think connecting with the art of fertility is, is, and I do this with patients a lot, you know, and, and I have nothing wrong with, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting Western treatment. A lot of people need to, and it's a beautiful thing, but how we look at that Western treatment, how we hold it, how we hold our journey. You know, I, I have a lot of patients that, you know, are injecting themselves and they are like, I hate doing this. And as they're like, you know, putting this medicine in their injecting to make more follicles that contain eggs. And I, I try to turn it around like, well, love the medicine because this is helping you create a family. So that shift in perspective into the sort of the art of love to the art of like what it takes sometimes 
to make a baby that sort of, you know, we, it's the out of control nature of, of our life that we, we, we want to control so badly. Like when I conceive, when I, you know, the art of, of connection with your partner, the art of, of love, instead of, you know, trying to be in fear and anxiety mode, which is so easy when you're really wanting something and it's really out of your control. Right. I mean, I totally have empathy for that because it is scary and I've been there and I know like how it consumed my entire life, you know, wanting this second child. And it was just like, that's all I thought about. So, you know, that sort of medicalized thing of like, you know, the fear, you know, like, oh, this is your age and this is your levels and all that fear going on in a woman does not help to get into the love mode of loving and being and opening up to it just kind of makes it, you know, fear makes us sympathetically dominant where it's like fight flight or, or freeze. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. We talk a lot about about the three F's on this show because it is, it is an incredibly important context to understand that there are things in our lives that cause us fight or flight or freeze in ways that we wouldn't even think about. So like the the needle example you gave. So are are you going to approach this process with terror or can you approach the process with a different frame, with compassion, with love, with slowing yourself down so that you can be kind to yourself and your partner as you go through it? Right. And it's like, you know, t- you know, it's really creating sometimes if you're going through reproductive medicine, it's it's trying to be intimate with your partner too. You know, it's like including them. Many men feel, if, if we're talking about men and women, because I also work with same-sex couples and single women freezing their eggs, but if we're just talking about male-female at this point, or even female-female, it's like this idea of how can we change the intimacy structure? How can we make this a team? Many men don't understand what their, what their, their partners are going through, and it's like, you know, don't know how to help, and men want to fix things. And, you know, it's, it's this sharing on a very intimate level of we're, we're a partnership, any sex identification. We want to make this baby together. And how do we really support each other and get intimate and, you know, do it from a place of love, no matter how it looks. Beautifully put hashtag. We want to make this baby together. I need the cup. I need the poster. I need something. (laughs) I think that's just a wonderful reminder that it is this team effort. It's difficult. It can be done alone, but it is difficult to be alone. And so being able to connect with that partner in a way that you can feel their love and they can feel yours. I so appreciate you being here. How do folks find you in the world? Go to my website, which is D-E-N-I-S-E-W-I-E-S, as in Sam, N-E-R, deniseweisner.com. And there's a lot of information on my sex coaching and fertility coaching that I do for people all over the world. And also podcasts are there and, and information. And you can also reach, you know, see me on Instagram at Denise Wiesner, L-A-C. Awesome. Thank you again for being on the show. And folks, thank you for sticking around. And there's so much wonderful information in this podcast. Please go head over to, to Denise's website and check out all she's got. And I can definitely attest the book is wonderful. So pick it up today. Well, thank you so much. Of course. And everybody, we hope you have a wonderful week. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. That helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the Gram, and Twitter. 
See you all next time.